1: two of Extra Point on this Monday, May 1st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortillaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions and we'll kick things off with the KDOS1060.com poll question involving the Suns. Game two tonight. Do the Suns win game two at Denver Monday night? It's getting closer here with the voting. Yes, does remain out in front. Fifty three percent of the vote. No trailing at forty seven percent.
0: Yeah, maybe that coincides to some extent with uh, there's lots of money on the Suns in the last couple of hours, at least in Nevada. Uh, when I got started with the sports zone this morning, uh, I believe Circa was the only place that had the Suns uh, laying just four. Now it's seemingly everybody worldwide has the Suns laying four. So I don't think there's been an injury situation with uh, the Nuggets. I just think that uh, people are pounding the Suns and expecting a better performance in game two.
1: Yes, you're correct. Even on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, it is four. This morning it was five. Uh, We'll answer this question a little bit later on in the show around 1130. On Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, did you approve of the Cardinals' 2023 draft approach? And, Bob, you're all about semantics, and approach seems to be the key word here. Yes, 84.6% of the vote, no trailing at 15.4%.
0: We talked about the approach for weeks leading into the draft, and uh, I don't think hardly anybody expected them to keep the number three selection. But, you know, wheeling and dealing is a phrase that we heard from Monty Austin for it more than once over the weekend, whether it be Thursday night, Friday, or Saturday after the draft concluded. And they uh, certainly have uh, put themselves in position to do you know, some damage next year. Uh, they have 11 picks for the 2024 draft, including six over the first three rounds. And I uh, you know, I think that uh, certainly uh, they haven't even traded Buda Baker or Hopkins yet. They may not be able to trade Hopkins unless they pay some of his salary, which according to weekend reports, or not longer than the weekend reports, but just kind of mentioned again. Over the weekend on the, uh, the various networks, that they're going to have to if they trade Hopkins at this point, you know the sons, uh, the sons, excuse me, the Cardinals have opted not to pay some of his salary, and teams apparently are waiting for the Cardinals to pay some of his salary to trade him.
1: Uh, well, you also had today here DeAndre Hopkins via his Instagram account. He uh, says here, who said I want to go? Who said I wanted to leave? I'm out here working, and uh, he is at the Cardinals facility. So that's the latest well, news on that.
0: Good for that. And he's in the state of Arizona, which is better than it was like a week or so ago. So. That's, I guess, a good thing. But uh, maybe he's trying to, you know, satisfy the masses or been the masses being the Cardinals organization to, uh, you know, pay some of his salary to get him out of here. But uh, I think there's... Not much of a good. Uh, I, I would be shocked, and I don't use that word often. I would be shocked if you were on the Cardinals roster to start the 2023 season. Um,
1: I will say this here that Monty Austinfort was asked after day one of the draft on Thursday about uh, DeAndre Hopkins and whether or not a trade would be coming later than the day or throughout the rest of the draft. He was asked multiple times about it, and he was uh, upfront and he said, I don't foresee that happening. And uh, at this point in time.
0: That didn't happen. Well, he said this week every time, didn't he? He used yep. the term this week every time. Yep. Uh, so that's the thing that stood out to me about that. You know, so they almost for sure weren't going to trade him during the draft because if teams were going to acquire him before the draft, you're probably not going to do it during the draft. So you know, that this week is uh, the thing that I, I think I heard him say every time when this question came up. Well,
1: let's go through the Cardinals' nine draft selections. I know you had an opportunity to digest uh, the first-round number 6 overall pick on Friday's program. That was Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle from Ohio State. Some of what our lads had to say, uh, the scouting service on Johnson, is that he's— I I just love some of the the verbiage that's always used. uh, A twitchy, long, and fluid pass protector with the mechanics and technique to handle pass rushers on the edge— Needs to get more consistent with positioning in space. Would like to see him use a uh, longer outside arm in pass protection. But I think the big thing here is able to trade down, then back up. uh, But we're able to get a first round pick because of the trade out of the third overall selection next year.
0: Yeah, um, as an Ohio State fan, I admire Johnson for willingly moving around he was you know the top high school offensive lineman when he came out of his uh, uh high school class and recruited to Ohio State played guard last year he was a starting left tackle i don't think personally and there's other there's NFL teams that believe this that it is, he's not a starting left tackle in the NFL hopefully that's for the cardinal's sake that's uh, inaccurate Uh, The D.J. Humphreys trade rumors started like immediately after this pick was made on Thursday. Uh, Humphreys was actually at the facility over the weekend, so I'm not exactly sure what's up with that. Uh, But uh, are they going to keep – it doesn't seem like Humphreys has a long-term future in Arizona, despite his contract extension last year, if you're going to draft Johnson at this spot. And you also have Kelvin Beecham returning at right tackle.
1: Uh, the second round, number forty-one, BJO Jewelry Edge LSU. Our lads, athletic, versatile defender who has aligned as an outside linebacker, edge and inside pass rusher. Explosive at the snap with a quick, powerful punch to separate from blocks. Some inconsistency shedding blocks as a quick, powerful blockers can knock him upright and lock him up. Fits well as a three-four outside linebacker.
0: He's tremendous. Ojalary, really good. His brother's already in the NFL. He talked about when he uh, addressed the Cardinals media via conference call over the weekend, talked about how he's already talked uh, with his brother about adjusting to the NFL, etc. So I'm not sure this doesn't officially count because he's an outside linebacker, defensive end type of thing. Uh, But, you know, I was actually surprised that the Cardinals only drafted one down defensive lineman in this entire draft because that appears to be, in a team that has filled with weaknesses, one of their greatest weaknesses, and they only drafted the one guy, and that was late in the draft.
1: Third round, you have uh, pick number seventy-two, Garrett Williams, cornerback, Syracuse. Our lads uses his long arms to his advantage, recovering and playing the ball. Has been used in press and off man corner, along with outside deep third coverage, willing in run support. He can keep a blocker at bay, uh, but is inconsistent, shedding and tackling, vulnerable to double moves as he appears to get uh, to guess instead of react to what's coming
0: well he played a lot more zone than he did man at syracuse uh, obviously he had the uh the injury which definitely uh you know sent him down some draft boards and he would have been drafted much higher uh if it had been a year ago so we'll see how that goes and uh, uh but yeah uh, the cardinals met with him originally at the combine um so it, this was uh not a surprise and uh We'll see how this goes. I don't know. Uh, I'm still not 100% sure what kind of you know defensive scheme the Cardinals are most likely to use. I've heard both, uh, either from experts and you know just listening to Jonathan Gannon, I'm not exactly sure. I don't think he's really tipped his hand to this point, but uh, as I mentioned, uh, Williams they, they played more zone than man at Syracuse, especially the last couple of years, and uh, we'll see how this goes, but yeah, you know, he uh he broke up a lot of passes in 2021 and 2020, but uh, that's been a while ago.
1: Third round, pick number 94, Michael Wilson, wide receiver, Stanford. Our lads, since 2020, he's played just 14 games, caught 64 passes because of a variety of different injuries. Size and movement traits are there. Routes are crisp. Needs to show better ball skills with his hands and also coming back to the football. He was projected to go in the fourth to fifth round by our lads.
0: Yeah, he was actually really surprised the Cardinals drafted him, but maybe they shouldn't have been because, you know, the Cardinals wide receivers coach has a Stanford background. We'll see how that goes. He's, as you mentioned, lots of injuries. Um, You know, I remember watching him play some at Stanford, uh, but unfortunately he wasn't on the field very often. But, uh, you know, definitely a big dude. And, uh, you know, 4 5 speed for a guy that's, you know, 6 two, 213 was the official weight at the combine. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But he, uh, because of the plays he was there for five years, and because of the injuries, he only had 134 total catches. And, uh, you know, they had a terrible offensive line at Stanford. They had terrible pretty much everything last year at Stanford. But, uh, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, didn't, didn't help the passing game too much at Stanford. And, uh, you know, they, they've actually, even the last couple of years, had some highly thought of quarterbacks that didn't have much of a chance to get things accomplished because uh, I guess it's probably hard to, you know, throw passes in any level of football when you're like parallel to the ground.
1: <laughs> uh, I will say this, though, when you were talking about his size, that that's obviously something that needs to uh, get filled out in the wide receiver room
0: true especially uh obviously the Hopkins thing you see how this goes but uh you know they've unfortunately one of the uh, I think they actually drafted well to this position but Rondell Moore with the exception of one year his freshman season at Purdue has been really set back by injury uh we're talking like four years running since that freshman season at Purdue and uh yeah you know, who I'm, I'm not even sure what Brown's status is going to be how long is he going to be here uh so you know Hollywood Brown who obviously uh other than being Kyler Murray's best friend uh you know one of his many best friends apparently uh but uh, I'm not sure where we stand with the receiver room right now and uh They had a lot of guys, and it's um, not a lot of guys right now. And as I mentioned, I'd be really surprised if Hopkins were on this roster come week one of the 2023 season.
1: Well, let's pause there, and when we come back, we'll conclude the draft starting with the fourth round uh, and continue through fourth, fifth and sixth round selections for the Arizona Cardinals. You can also chime in if you'd like to. 602-260-1060 is the number, but we'll continue some NFL draft talk and the Arizona Cardinals as well and get into some of the... I mean, it's a great exercise, but it's also kind of a futile exercise, right? Because... None of these players have actually played a down yet and you're grading uh, how the draft go. Well, we still have to see how it all kind of really translates. But we'll get into a little bit of that as well. 602-260-1060 is the number to chime in. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports.
0: We'll do what's best for the team and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. The app.
1: Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. Online at KDUS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortellaro with you as we continue going through the Arizona Cardinals nine-pick draft that concluded over the weekend. We made it through picks uh, in rounds one, two, and three. Let's get this conversation started with the fourth round, and we'll start with John Gaines, the second offensive lineman from UCLA. He was pick number 122. Our lads has him as prototype body, athletic ability, and play style for a gap scheme. Played mostly inside, but has has had snaps at all five positions on the line will need to show better anticipation and reaction skills before he can be trusted in pass protection worth trying to spend a year or two developing on the back end of a depth chart because there is enough ability to land him a starting five spot at some point
0: yeah he played all, all five positions as you mentioned he played uh with dtr for five years which means he knows how to trying to pass protect for a scrambling quarterback, which is sometimes tricky. He's also considered to be one of the smartest players in the draft. So I think that probably helps him at the center position when he did play some there. And uh, I'm guessing that that helps you play multiple offensive line positions in your career if you're a smart dude.
1: Fifth round, pick number 139, Clayton Toon, quarterback out of Houston. Our our lads here set conference record with 40 touchdowns, sizable frame, well put together, classic pocket passer who can drop dimes down the field, knack for putting the ball in the bucket on vertical routes with the pocket awareness, Uh, plus maneuverability, what a word there, maneuverability to stay alive under pressure, needs to clean up his lower body cohesion, ball gets away from him on short to intermediate throws he did have 30 interceptions over the last three seasons which for him was 35 games uh projects to be a backup quarterback
0: yeah i'm not surprised that they took a quarterback that's something i mentioned friday and I also did some guest hits around uh, the country on friday regarding the cardinals and the cardinals draft and i mentioned i thought they'd be taking a quarterback at some point also mentioned i thought they'd be taking a running back at some point which didn't happen uh, but we'll see how this goes. You know, the Cardinals' uh, new quarterback coach was a Senior Bowl coach uh, when Toon was there at the Senior Bowl. Uh, so they're familiar with him, and uh, they met with him at Combine. Does not lack for confidence, Mr. Toon. Uh, he uh, declared uh, more than once that he thought he was the best quarterback in this draft, no matter what round. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. And this is, once again, uh, the Cardinals, uh, they like Texas quarterbacks, high school quarterbacks, you know, McCoy and, uh, and obviously Murray and Blau. And, uh, you know, it uh, you know, seems like every quarterback from Texas sets some kind of high school records in the state of Texas. But Toon's another one of those guys that was a highly acclaimed high school quarterback in the state of Texas.
1: Uh, Then you have also in the fifth round, pick number 168, Owen Papo, linebacker, Auburn. Our lads, undersized prospect. He plays with a high motor to go with outstanding athleticism and chase ability, has sideline to sideline range in pursuit, can play in the backfield with an open window, will occasionally under or overrun a tackle on the edge, but projects well as a cover linebacker and also effective on special teams.
0: Great combine, had uh, went off tested off the charts at the combine. Didn't always have the on-field production that you would expect. Total leadership skills. I mentioned that Steve Keim used to love the captains. He was a two-time captain, Papo, at Auburn. Uh, yeah, one of his thirty visits was with the Cardinals. So, yeah, he didn't seem to be a big surprise that to anybody that. Uh, He ended up going to Arizona because they certainly had a lot of contact with him before the draft.
1: Uh, then you move into the sixth round, pick number 180, Cottrell Clark, cornerback Louisville. Our lads here, undersized but athletic corner with extreme twitch. Experience as an outside corner along with significant time at slot in 2022. He did have an ACL injury late 2021, which caused him to come back uh, later in 2022. Struggles with 50-50 balls, outstanding skill set, but will have to play in a scheme that creates positive matchups.
0: He said he played every game in 2022. I'm not 100 percent sure if that's accurate or not, but he said he did. Um, uh, he, the Cardinals have two coaches on their new staff that have connections with Clark in the past, uh, so I'm guessing that had something to do with uh, his selection. And uh, he was very excited that the Cardinals picked him. By the way, listening to his uh, you know his press conference. Uh, you know the, the you know the, the Zoom call or whatever they're doing with the Cardinals now, but uh, he's pretty fired up.
1: Uh, and then the final pick for the Cardinals here, sixth round pick number 213, Dante Stills, defensive tackle, West Virginia. Our lads possesses a long, muscular frame with good length all around, translates best as an interior D lineman in a one gap scheme. Physical at point of attack, playing with high motor, will often get completely washed out of plays or pushed significantly off the line. He was projected as seventh round or undrafted.
0: Yeah, this is actually uh, the biggest surprise to me about the entire Cardinals draft is this is the only defensive lineman, down defensive lineman, they actually selected. Uh, That seemed like a position. You you can still do that during free agency. And I guess we enter free agency part two uh, kind of starts here in the next uh, day or two, if it hasn't already started today. Uh, So we'll see. But uh, he's the guy uh, as far as the draft class. His dad, uh, Gary Gary Stills was a really good player in the NFL many years ago, obviously. Uh, So we'll see how this goes. But, uh, you know, I know him because of the name and because of his father and uh, and watching his father play some, but uh, we'll see how this goes. But as I mentioned, I think the biggest surprise to me is that they only took one defensive lineman, down defensive lineman the whole draft, and it was picked 213th in the seventh round.
1: Uh, so you also have here, as you're talking about, all in for the Cardinals, nine draft picks. So you have two offensive line, one edge, one linebacker, two cornerbacks, one wide receiver, one defensive tackle, and one quarterback. So with a team that has so many different needs here, were you happy with the assortment of positions that were accumulated? I know you said you were surprised about uh, not having more down defensive linemen.
0: And running back. Yeah. Um... So we'll see. I mean, we read their running back roster. They have four guys currently on the roster, and I can't imagine they're counting on more than two of those guys to really do anything. Uh, Connor, obviously, and Ingram, who was uh, one of their picks last year, uh, who showed some things when he got an opportunity, certainly in preseason and a little bit during the regular season, but as we've mentioned multiple times, and it's not going to change any, no matter what happens between now and the start of the, of the training camp, et cetera, this is a team that has a ton of holes. And as uh, NFL Network and ESPN just uh, said multiple times without any reluctance, uh, they think the Cardinals have the worst roster in the NFL at this point.
1: Uh, we mentioned this in the start of hour number two here, but Monty Austin Ford had said after day one that he didn't foresee D-Hop being moved during the draft. D-Hop is still a Cardinal. We have uh, the Instagram post where he uh, is at the facility and is saying, who said I wanted to be moved? Who said I wanted to be traded? So uh, I-, I guess D-Hop for now is an Arizona Cardinal. Buda Baker, after all of what happened with him the Friday before the NFL draft got started uh, he ha- it had come out that he either wants to be traded or to become the highest paid safety once again he is still a cardinal did not get moved during the draft so did any of that surprise you
0: not, not i thought if they were going to get moved it would have been before the drafts so, or you know certainly baker that uh, you would think that they could get a uh, first round draft pick for him or at least have something future considerations thrown in. And that seems like more, like more of a pre-draft thing. The fact that the Cardinals uh, reportedly, and I think both networks had this over the weekend, that uh, they've just refused to pay any of Hopkins' salary to trade him at this point. That might have to change if they're going to trade him.
1: Uh, then when we look ahead to 2024, the Arizona Cardinals will have, and it just, literally crashed in front of me as I am looking at what they had so that's great I know for sure they'll have their own first rounder they'll have uh, the Texans first rounder and then if you'll give me a second to pull it back up uh, what all of the different options that they'll have for 2024 don't really like when technology doesn't work all right first round
0: maybe help i can maybe help you a little bit here they have 11 picks for next year including six in the first three rounds
1: first round pick first round pick coming to them from the texans which is also the texans pick it's not the browns pick that the texans will have a second round pick a third round pick another third round pick from the texans another third round pick from the titans a fourth round pick a fourth round pick which is a projected compensatory pick fifth rounder another fifth rounder from the eagles and a seventh round pick so all in all here uh monty austin for setting things up again for next year because you've talked about how this roster uh it's going to take some time to uh, accumulate some talent here once again so really making this a longer term process
0: yes i think that's the thing to do and uh Dave Sears is the assistant general manager, and Austin Ford brought him along to the press conference. uh, And uh, he talked a lot also on Sunday, the Sunday press conference, excuse me, the Saturday press conference. Uh, So we'll see. They didn't have any trades on Saturday, even though, uh, as Austin Ford mentioned, that they had several opportunities to make trades, but they decided not to because they went with the players that they liked at that point. So we'll see how that goes. I think the biggest thing is a lot of the players you just mentioned. Two things: one, they had several guys uh, that they ended up picking that had some injury situations and went lower than expected uh, in the uh, in especially the you know the, the really the Saturday for the most part. And then the other thing is they definitely seem to like players that have versatility because almost every player that they selected isn't just tied into one spot.
1: Um. Did you take? I know that some in the national media took, uh, I, I guess, offense to this that Jonathan Gannon did not meet the media at any point during the draft process, at least last year and uh, in the previous years as well. Cliff Kingsbury always came out and addressed the media alongside Steve Keim after every single day of the draft. Did that bother you at all?
0: Didn't necessarily bother me. I don't remember one year ever where the head coach did not meet with the media at some point during the draft, however, and I've gone through several coaches now (laughs) here in the last 20-plus years.
1: Uh, All right. The futile uh, NFL draft grades. Uh, We'll go through a few of these here. Chad Reuter from NFL.com, he gave the Cardinals an A. I thought it would be interesting to go through Uh, the 49ers, Seahawks, and Rams. 49ers, he gave them a B-. minus. They had nine selections. The Seahawks got an A minus a- with 10 picks and the Rams also got an a minus with 14 selections
0: yeah I think the 14 selections is the big thing for the Rams they, have, they kept trading down it seemed like every time that the Rams pick came up they traded down and got multiple picks and you know for a team that is hardly drafted at all there's been some days uh, I'm not talking about entire drafts but there's been some days in recent years where the Rams were you know just watching they weren't participants but they got the 14 picks in uh, the three days. I think most people seem to think that the Seahawks the best, had one of the best drafts in the NFL. You know, they certainly had a lot of the picks at the fir- in the first two rounds. They moved down a couple of times. Not surprising. John Schneider's history, no matter what the situation is, no matter where they're stacking up in the draft, they've traded down with frequency. Yeah, you know, they obviously kept the fifty. They had never had the fifth pick of the draft before during the Schneider and Carroll regime. So, you know, that ended up, uh, you know, staying the, uh, you know, staying in the same spot. And uh, I think that uh, the Seahawks, who uh, they, you know, I went through last week, a week ago today, they had a, they had a tremendous offseason before the draft. I mean, they added some free agents that are really going to help them, and between that and what they. Uh, Think they're going to get out of the draft, and you know, certainly we think there's a, you know, the, you know, the you know the first two picks certainly are going to be you would assume contributors, and they had one of the great drafts in recent years last season. So I think the Seahawks are uh, after making the playoffs last year. I think that it would be highly surprising if they did not make the playoffs again, especially in the NFC.
1: Yeah, I think that's a key point there, especially in the NFC and also uh, especially in the division here with where things currently stand with the Cardinals and, and the Rams. And I know that the 49ers, I guess the big thing for them is who is going to be quarterbacking the team.
0: Well, and they didn't have a pick for like they were the last team to get to, to select, uh, to, to make a pick finally. I think they were uh, the last team that uh, did something. Uh, because they obviously traded a lot of picks in the last three or four years, whether it be Trey Lance and others, uh, McCaffrey. Uh, So that was a lot of their draft capital, and they kind of built the the fact that they got as many as they did by the end of the day, I think was uh, an interesting process for them
1: yeah and along those lines pro football focus had the 49ers with a c minus uh so did pete prisco with cbssports.com pro football focus gave the cardinals an a plus uh gave the 49ers a c minus the seahawks an a and the rams an a minus pete prisco cardinals b plus 49ers c minus seahawks b plus and the rams a b uh interesting everyone's grading scales if you will uh but uh the, the rams taking stetson bennett what'd you think of that
0: not surprised. I think everybody figured they're going to take a quarterback at some point. I'm uh, not completely sold on Stetson Bennett in the NFL. Uh, tremendous college player, unbelievable college player in the two college football playoffs in which he led Georgia to two consecutive championships. But if I remember correctly, it's 14 touchdowns and one pick in the college football playoff games that he's played over two years. That's a pretty good ratio.
1: Yeah, that's not too bad, not too shabby at all. Uh, so the NFL draft is in the rearview mirror, and for the Cardinals, they'll be beginning, uh, you know, rookie minicamps and OTAs here soon, and then of course we'll be continuing to monitor. Uh who shows up, who doesn't show up, all of that fun stuff. Uh, also, I think we are fast approaching the deadline for whether or not a fifth-year option is going to be picked up. And it's looking increasingly unlikely that the Cardinals are going to pick up Isaiah Simmons's fifth-year option.
0: whole lot of moves this morning regarding teams and fifth-year options, either picking them up or not picking them up. So I'm not exactly sure what the deadline day is and maybe today it's today I, so. I just don't know
1: what time zone okay, is accurate so it is today
0: yeah, yes. i noticed all this you know i noticed a lot of uh, transactions and rejections for fifth year options today we'll
1: answer the poll questions on the other side of the break it is the extra point
0: Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m.
1: the program. It is The Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports make sure you download the KDOS 1060 app, Apple and Android users and take advantage of the listener rewards that are available to you. It's Monday it's May 1st and let's get into those poll questions and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Do the Suns win game two at Denver tonight? Yes
0: or no? Uh, I'm going to say no, but I'm not betting. Uh, I'm not betting on this game. If there were, you know, the number had gone to five, I might have considered taking the Suns plus the five. But definitely, some things that have to happen here, not you know, tonight or long term in this series. Booker obviously cannot be the second best shooting guard in the series. Uh, he clearly was the second best shooting guard in the game one. Uh, the Suns defense. I don't really have an idea of how this is going to get tremendously better in this series, but they're going to have to get somewhat better on defense. Uh, I think part of that is they could uh, double-team guys a little more often, whether it be Murray. They really weren't even put in that many uh, pick-and-roll situations by the Nuggets in game one because the Nuggets didn't have to put Jokic and Murray in too many you know, pick-and-roll situations because basically, you know, Murray was doing whatever he wanted no matter who was trying to guard him for the Suns. Also, the three-point shooting, you have to assume that the Nuggets aren't going to you know, hit that high of a percentage like they did the other day. The offensive rebounding, the second-chance points, they've got to eliminate that. The Nuggets are now 5-0 and zero in the postseason when they've out-rebounded their opponents. So, you know, if you want to use a stat thing, there you go. And most importantly, the Suns, to have a better chance to win tonight, is a Kogi cannot be in the starting lineup. Craig has to be... Playing not just as a starter, he's got to be playing major minutes in this series. At least he's got a history of occasionally, or actually more than occasionally, in some time of his career, some points of his career, uh, stopping opponent scores throw, throw a out together, and uh, that kind of leads me to where I'm at with the Suns. Yeah, you know, like I said, if it was a plus five out there, which I don't think there are any. Uh, that uh, I might have thought about that at the point. But, uh, you know, there are basically fours around the world right now as far as this. Uh, the Suns have been pounded for whatever reason by the betters in the last you really three hours or so since, uh, you know, they were four, four and a halfs out there, a lot of four and a halfs. The only four I remember when I started the sports zone at 9 o'clock was at Circa, and now there's like pretty much every place in Nevada it's four.
1: Uh, so I know that we uh, a little bit disagree on, on this particular point. And I know that there's a, a long layoff between game two and game three, which will be on Friday night back here in Phoenix. But I think this is a situation where the Suns really can't find themselves coming back to Phoenix down 0-2. I know that we just saw the Warriors win a series in seven against the Kings down 0-2 to start. But I think uh, the Warriors and their pedigree versus the Kings and their pedigree had a lot to do with that particular comeback and I'm just worried about this particular, particular matchup for the Suns and the Nuggets and I don't know that they match up well uh, because either Jokic is going to be able to dominate on the inside, put Ayton into foul trouble. If they try to kind of collapse in on that situation they can kick it out perimeter wise and the Nuggets have guys that can knock down some shots. I understand uh, and I also don't expect the Nuggets to shoot at the clip that they did in game one so hopefully that's uh, you know helpful but again when you're trading twos and threes uh, you, you can't keep up also you're going to have to play bigger on on the glass uh, because you can't be losing the margin uh, offensive boards as well as shot opportunities as big as you were in game one obviously the Suns are going to make adjustments they're not rolling out with the same plan that they had in game one I guess my question is do they have the players in order to make those adjustments and that's kind of been the question mark heading into the playoffs this whole time uh, is the depth there. And as you've pointed out, you're just going to have to kind of roll with the, f- the, the starters for 40 plus minutes. Hope they can stay out of foul trouble and uh, give you the production that you need. So um, I think, though, the Nuggets are the better team. So I'm going to say no.
0: There's no reason for the Suns not to play their starters 40 plus minutes in this game tonight. None. They don't play again until Friday. Uh you're already down zero one. And while the Suns certainly have a rich history of uh, good and or bad, uh you know, they've they've fallen behind in series zero, two in the past and won. They've led series 2 two zero in the past and recent past and lost those series. Uh but uh you know there there's zero reason for them not to just basically play the starters Excessive minutes tonight because they don't play game three until Friday night.
1: Uh the masses are on the yes side of things here at fifty-three percent of the vote, no sitting at forty seven percent. This game is a seven o'clock contest on TNT tonight. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, did you approve the Cardinals' 2023 draft approach? Uh, So I certainly love the ability for them to trade down and acquire acquire more picks that ended up being taken in this draft, as well as for next year's draft. And certainly being able to get uh, Houston's number 1 pick for next year I think was really important, as this roster needs basically a total rebuild. They've accepted that they won't be able to do everything Everything that they need to do this year there's going to be a plan in place and they're going to you know chronologically work their way through it so to put themselves in a position with 11 picks for next year and flexibility to do things uh you know whether or not before the start of this season in addition to uh, heading into next offseason I think is a great place for them to be uh, there were a few picks that I did think were a little bit of a, a reach you know Michael Wilson who is oft injured I I know that you need size at that position and to really help with size in the wide receiver room. I just am a little nervous that he won't be able to stay healthy. And would he have been available uh, later on in, in the draft? Did you need to go that high with him? Uh, but I also really, really like BJ or jewelry. Uh, I think that's a fantastic pick for the Cardinals and I'm excited to see what he's able to do. And also on that front, excited to see what defense the Cardinals are going to be playing because we're not entirely sure what direction they're going to go there. Uh but yeah, overall, I think this approach is exactly what what they needed to do.
0: Agreed with all that. Uh you know, they've uh, they're bad and they're going to be bad uh you know, this upcoming season unless just an amazing turnaround occurs and we'll see how this goes. Uh little disappointed that uh, Baker and Hopkins are still on this roster at this point because I think you probably could have gotten more for them had they been tra- uh, traded pre-draft, even if you have to pay some of Hopkins' salary. I think that that should matter for the Cardinals at this point. But uh, we'll see what, uh, you know, like I said, numerous times in the last few weeks. I would be really surprised if either of those guys were in the Cardinals' roster at the start of the 2023 season.
1: Uh, The masses are overwhelmingly on the yes side of things at uh, 85.7% of the vote, no sitting at 14.3%. This is on Twitter, at KDUSAM1060. For the Cardinals and their upcoming draft, next we'll be monitoring rookie minicamps, OTAs, uh, getting an opportunity to get to know some of the rookies a little bit. I will say this. Getting to talk with uh, Paris Johnson Jr. on Thursday, what an impressive young man he is
0: absolutely no doubt uh when you're a college student and you already have a foundation helping a lot of uh, things in the cincinnati area and columbus for that matter uh it's a you know he certainly has a good parental guidance and uh he talked about a lot of the uh, you know father figure type of guys in addition to his dad who played for the cardinals but a lot of the uh the foundations he had early in his life and and so forth. And uh, just listening to him talk, he's a funny guy, too. It's kind of like a stand-up act listening to his press conference.
1: We'll wrap up this edition of Extra Point on the other side.
0: Listen to rewards for you with the KTUS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDUS 1060 app.
1: edition of extra point here on kdos am 1060 online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports bob it's that time once again it is thank you time
0: as always we thank you for listening special thanks to the callers emailers tweeters texters whomever and whatever else Sip through the cracks also our guest today brett sobleski from bleacher report Uh, Among his many duties at Bleacher Report, he gets to grade every pick of the draft as it happens. So I'm sure that he's really happy the draft is over. Uh, So good for him. Sound day courtesy of TNT NFL Network, ESPN, Bally Sports Arizona, and CBS. Special thanks as always to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And uh, Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's
1: right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock it is Sports SportsMap radio network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen show from 3 to 5, the sports do with Dave Rooster-Beerstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and James Out West tonight from 7 to 8. Uh, It looks like here over 54 million viewers watched the 2023 NFL draft. The average audience was 6.5. 0.0 million viewers on TV and digital over the three days and that ended up being up 12 percent versus 2022. You also had the fact that it was on ABC, ESPN, NFL Network, ESPN2, ESPN Deportes and digital channels all being tabulated.
0: Well also I think it probably helped the ratings that there was some just awful weather throughout the eastern part of the country.
1: That could be true. Uh, As you were talking about weather, you have uh, the New York Mets trying to uh, get in a doubleheader against the Braves today. The Braves are on top 6-4. to The game is in the top of the sixth inning right now, the first of a doubleheader. But uh, we were talking a little bit off air that uh, Strider, 107 pitches to get through five innings, and the Mets using a plethora of guys already tossed 108 pitches so far.
0: Yeah, there've been over 200 pitches in this game through 5 innings and it's the first game of a doubleheader, so I'm sure that the uh, you know, the pitching coaches and you know, it's uh, going to be uh, an interesting uh, you know day if they get through because you know, the, the weather forecast is not terribly promising for game 2. Uh so we'll see what happens here but a uh, ton of pitches and a uh, ton of pitches so far and Strider who's you know, supposedly on the innings limit for the season uh you know having him pitch uh you know five innings and throw 107 pitches in the first game of a doubleheader is a little interesting
1: well i guess it's just an innings limit doesn't matter how many pitches in the inning
0: well that's true but i mean that's still kind of of, it's a build-up thing and he's had injury issues in the past and uh and uh, he's pitched uh you know last year i don't know i don't even know how many innings he ended up pitching last year but uh So we'll see, Uh, but uh, the Braves have done a really good job with the pitching staffs over the years, uh, with the exception of Mike and that had nothing to do, for the most part, with his arm. He's just had uh, torn Achilles twice, Uh, and he actually is supposed to be back here pretty soon, by the way.
1: Uh, when you do look at things across Major League Baseball, the Diamondbacks are off today. They'll play the Rangers starting tomorrow. But still atop the AL East is your Rays at 23-6, and six, and the Orioles then at 19-9, and nine, the Blue Jays 18-10, and 10, the Red Sox 15-14, and 14, and the Yankees also at 15-14. and 14.
0: Well, this could flip in May. I mean, the Rays, according to what I heard on MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM yesterday, uh, just completed the easiest stretch of April in the history of major league baseball, as far as winning percentage for the opponents. And we talked about, you know, remember their first few games of the season were against three of the worst teams in major league baseball. Uh, and it really, you know, they played some other, you know, not so good opponents after that, but they have a very difficult schedule based on winning percentage, at least through this April, uh, in the month of may it gets much, much more difficult for the race. So we'll see how this goes. And, uh, That and uh, uh, – they don't play today, but uh, I believe they play a series starting – I'm not going to throw this out because I'm not 100% sure. But it's uh, definitely – the schedule in the month of May is much more difficult by a lot than it was for them in the month of April.
1: AL Central the Twins on top 17 and 12 Guardians 13 and 15 Tigers 10 and 17 White Sox 8 and 27 and the Royals 7 and 22 so that's a stout division right there
0: The the Blue Jays excuse me the uh, the Rays I'll get this right The Twins I get it to the guy right the third time The Twins are running out of starting pitchers already Pablo Lopez uh, who they acquired in the trade got up to a good start injury problems Tyler Bally placed on the injured list. I don't know if he's officially on the injured list, but he's gonna at least miss at least a month. Uh so those are you know two of their best guys to start this season and uh their starting pitching has been their strength and now you kinda wonder if they're gonna get by. Wrapping
1: things up, the AL West, the Rangers lead at 17-11 and 11 in the Astros, uh, just behind at 15-13. and 13. National League East, Braves 18-9, Mets 15-12, NL Central, Pirates 20-9, Brewers 18-10 in the NL West, D-backs and Dodgers both at 16-13. and 13. Playoff games in the NBA tonight, the 76ers at the Celtics game one 4:30 tonight, the Suns at the Nuggets tonight, 7 p.m. on TNT. As always, thank you very much for listening to The Extra Point. Have yourselves a fantastic rest of your Monday and the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp with you tomorrow at 9 a.m.